I wish I could put my fist through the whole clouds of Utah. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. We're going to do a lot of that today. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Abby. Hello. Hello. What up? And and we're joined by another special guest this time. Jacqueline, what's up? Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> welcome to. This I don't know show. how to introduce myself. That's fine. We don't really know what we're doing today either, so mm-hmm. it, it works. Um, Jacqueline, what is your Twitter handle? Because you changed it recently, didn't you? Um, did I? No, Maybe. you didn't. Okay, <laughs> I can't keep up with people's just Twitter handles and their display names. I like it. Confused. No, I just no, I just have two now. So okay, okay. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm confused. At at J Bandos, J B A N D O S. Um, so you might know Jacqueline from Star Wars Twitter, you the listener. Um, she's around screaming about things and putting her fist through things. That's why we wanted her to come on here. <laughs> and she's fucking hilarious. So if you're not following her, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, Jacqueline, do you want to tell us a little bit about your fandom and how you became a Star Wars fan and all that jazz? I remember I was five years old and my mother got me the special editions of the original trilogy on VHS. And I just watched those on repeat for years. And then it quickly became apparent that I have no idea how to be casually interested in things. And so I just got more and more into Star Wars. Um, as more stuff came out i continued to get into stuff like the clone wars a lot of my more like prominent formative memories that i remember are of those and when what really like helped reignite my interest was when the sequel trilogy started because yeah yeah so it's been i'm i'm really really underplaying it (laughs) but um (laughs) It is like very important to me and is one of several geeky franchises that have helped me understand my own identity and understand the world through fiction in a way where I can still distinguish the world from fiction. So that's, that's. I think that was beautiful. I think so too. Um, I feel like. Abby, you kind of have a, you guys have a lot in common as far as like Clone Wars and mm-hmm. and sequel tri- se- sequel trilogy. Good lord, um, I too remember those VHS tapes from the special editions. I had them. Nope. I have no idea where they are. Um, I have a feeling my dad probably tried to sell them at a yard sale, and I'm very upset. What the hell? Are lost to the sands of time <laughs> on my end as well. Yeah, I remember like the they were trashed probably that's probably why they got sold (laughs) i I will note i even aside from that i own like the entire star wars saga on dvd and blu-ray like separate box sets entirely and then on digital (laughs) i don't know how to control myself or my spending so yep i i still have um season 
six, I guess it's still seasons considered season six of uh, Clone Wars, um, the the Blu-ray up on my Amazon wish list. <laughs> no one will get it for me because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one will get it for me because they're like, don't you already have that on digital? I'm like, yeah. So. <laughs> Sometimes you want stuff to look pretty on a shelf. I want both. What if something happens and the cloud collapses? I want to still have this able to play on my playstation i don't know jess is still scared of y2k <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> no no but but seriously given that like streaming services are just like they can take whatever they want off of their libraries at any time it, mm -hmm. it's more of a it's there that's not the topic of this um uh <laughs> episode but like getting 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 into like ownership in the age of um subscription services is very interesting especially because a lot of the um video game publishers are starting to try to get into that now and it's like oh cool we won't own anything anymore and capitalism is a nightmare yes <laughs> Yeah, and also there's been like I think NBC is taking some of their shows off Netflix because they're fully they are. starting their own streaming service and like Disney's like, doing the same. Like it's, yeah. it like ruins the entire point of the streaming services in the first place. It's like oh we're getting rid of we're doing this and now people are getting rid of cable for these things and now they're like okay now each network has its own subscription service and I guess we just recreated cable but the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have a little bit of news that uh, Thirsty Star Wars Twitter enjoyed <laughs> quite a bit this last week, myself included. Um, Thrawn Treason <laughs> was announced. The Its release date is 20... Oh, my God. July 23rd, 2019, <laughs> which is like three weeks from now. And the San Diego Comic-Con uh, exclusive cover was released. And oh my God, it is... Abby, I know you're not like really into Thrawn. And Jacqueline, I know you're not really into men, but I'm like <laughs> fanning myself right now because that cover was really hot. <laughs> what, what did I call it? I don't know, I but it was call him funny. like an Azure, an Azure daddy. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. a title. <laughs> <He's blue. laughs> Why are all of our titles so thirsty? Because um... <laughs> we are thirsty by nature. Because we're feral nerd women, and that's how yeah, it is, exactly. I guess. Exactly. That's what we do. We thirst. Um, but yeah, this cover, um, I drowned a little bit. Um <laughs> If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Thrawn Treason SDCC cover. Um, and if you're, not into Thrawn, cover. if you're not into Thrawn, you might become into him. Abby, I don't know how you feel now. Mm -hmm. I know you're not into, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm into Admiral Arlani, so. Yeah. She's yeah. there. She is there. And I didn't even realize that there were more people than just the two of them. Like, I thought it was just the two of them. And then I was like, whoa, there's more Chiss. There's a whole crowd. We're having a party. <laughs> um. So, did anybody get Star Wars Celebration Anaheim tickets? I, I did. Got... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jacqueline. <laughs> Shit. I'm just gonna speak right over you. <laughs> cool. Um. No, I I got um a four day pass like 
20 minutes before they all sold out. Oh, damn. So that was that was neat. Um, also, I've never been to a Star Wars celebration. I've never been out of state for a con. And I spent too much money on getting that ticket. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. I feel like you're not the only one that feels that way. Um, there's there so many people that like were not prepared to buy tickets this early. They're going no. on sale so early. I was not prepared. And now so many of them sold out. Like they're gone. A full fourteen months before the con. Yeah. Right. Just fucking you know, they're, wild. They're gonna resell. People are gonna be like, have stuff come up. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I got a a Friday ticket because eh. I think we talked about this on our post celebration episode. But like, I did three days in Chicago, and like after. I think like on day three, I was like, you know what? I could probably just do two. Two is fine. But then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I could just do one. <laughs> um, in terms of purchasing, like I think both Jess and I are apply- are planning to apply for media badges. Yes, we are. So, um, and I would love to try and yeah, yeah. Please give us the badges. And also, I would love to try and get. I tried to pitch a mental health uh, panel for a celebration in Chicago that didn't get through. So I would I'm gonna try and pitch it again and see what happens. Yeah. Um, we'll where are pitch. the mental health professionals in space? Um Alphabet Squadron has one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not oh. an actual it's a, just a droid oh. though. It's not an actual person. Well oh, damn it. That's up it's to me. never a person. <laughs> <laughs> Droids are people too. I shouldn't say that. Um that's true. L3 would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ow, Charlie. It's pretty great. I was so excited when I read that. I was like, oh my god. But yeah, we're probably going to uh, pitch a, a Rep Matters panel again. And then if yep. I don't get a pass, if we don't get the media badge, I'm just going to bark on and hang out. Yep. Because that's what I want to do anyway. That's what I had the best time doing last year. Yep. This yep. last year? I don't know. Four yep. months ago. So two I'll still ago. see you around. <laughs> oh, yeah. What. Oh, of yeah. course. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I mean, like that was what half of celebration was: was everybody would meet in one hotel bar and sit there. I mean, I saw more people at "quote unquote" BarCon than I did at the actual convention. Yeah, same, same. So, and I want to try and I want to try and do at least one day in Disneyland because I've never been to Disneyland. It's same. So... Would you say, it's, Jess? It's small. <laughs> it's small. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> That's right, but I realize the the hotel that I'm preemptively booking is like like Radiator Springs is literally across the street. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I'm gonna see it. No, I don't want to go. Yeah, you should definitely go while you're there. And that um sometimes the hotels have discounted tickets. Yeah, where you can get like half price tickets if you go after a certain time in day in the day. Like if you only want to go like after three or four or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's stuff. There's yeah. deal. And Galaxy's Edge will be open for a uh, year at that point. And, and Rise of the Resistance will be out probably. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord, and we'll be post Rise of Skywalker and Oh shit. It's gonna be it's gonna be bad. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't, don't want to <laughs> think about it. It, all of this is too far Speaking off. Of things we don't want to think about. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> the Discord? 
the discourse. No, I don't want to. Um, there was discourse, and we have to talk mm. about this because I'm so sick of Brian Young's bullshit and his head yes. up ass attitude, and he can never be wrong. Um, so we're gonna talk about that. Abby, how about you? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I've got I, I think the big thing that kick started, like why the well, I mean. All the things that kickstarted why the fuck are you listening to Brian Young of all people is, you know, he is just the straightest, cisest, whitest man ever. And but Abby, everything he has like a hundred count tweet threads about everything Star Wars. So oh, that means suck my ass. <laughs> I can do that easily. <laughs> Wait, you can do the threads or you can suck her ass? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Probably the threads. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Whew. But Brian Young has been called out multiple times for stealing a lot of his his 100k plus posts from women, and with um, the exception of this current one, <laughs> yeah, no, because no woman would be well, no, there's some women who'd be dumb enough to post that. This one is very uniquely um, him. Yes, yes. Um, but the straw that really broke the camel's back was when Brian Young, um, sometime last year. Demanded proof from a sexual assault survivor of her sexual assault. Um, and yeah, that <laughs> showed a lot of people's true colors, um, including some people that I thought I was close to. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I unfortunately like got into Star Wars Twitter a little long time after you guys i think and so f unfortunately for the first like year of it i indulged this guy in his bullshit and i feel bad in retrospect oh no i okay when i first started listening to star wars podcast i listened to rebel force radio so uh, yep. there is no we all come from you know point zero <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we have all been there trust me like i you know, bought into Brian Young's bullshit sometimes too. And then yep. I was like, wait a minute, I don't think I'd agree with any of this or most of this. There were some points where I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Things that make you go. Hmm. I mean, the definitely some even before the thing last year that you mentioned, the whole Anakin and Darth Vader split personalities thing was a whole thing that I oh, yeah. just couldn't even begin to address because no. Just no. That was that was the best because then um, Kate Cedor of uh, Bookworms Pod and I went off on him because both of us live with mental health disorders and have experienced um, disassociation, which is basically what Brian was trying to describe. Mm -hmm. um, because he was basically trying to maintain the idea that Anakin has dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. Or multiple personality disorder, as it used to be called, because somehow, like, Vader and Anakin aren't the same person, which is like, fuck you and your evil person apologism. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And also, like, you're continuing, and we said this much to him, like, you are continuing harmful stereotypes Mm -hmm. about, quote unquote, scary mental health disorders, like dissociative identity disorder, because it's not one that people commonly experience or interact with. And so we're like, you're continuing that stereotype that these, quote unquote, scary disorders are evil. And well, first of all, he only wanted to go after Kate, which fucking says a lot. Um, (laughs) because she is a woman of color um, and would not bother talking to myself or Chris, her husband. And I was like, man, like you got a whole ass mental health professional here telling you to shut the fuck up. But you know more about mental health than me, Brian. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, it was. So let's talk about what he did last week or what he said. So I don't know if you're keeping up with the news, but we have (laughs) fucking concentration camps at the border, the Mexico border, like in our country right now. Mm -hmm. There's women and children and families and men and just people that are being kept in horrible conditions. um, And it's, it's not good. And Brian Young decided that George Lucas, if George Lucas would have included concentration camps in The Phantom Menace on the occupation of Naboo, uh, maybe this could have been averted. This crisis could just have been a averted. galaxy brain take. Mm-hmm. And Twitter blew up because uh-huh. <laughs> because. No, (laughs) that's not (laughs) how it works. And he deleted the tweet, but that doesn't stop Twitter because the internet is forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had this tweet afterwards that I'm going to quote. And it said, "Um, some might scoff at the idea that an art form like film can have that sort of power over the culture and course of human events. But you don't need that sort of cynicism in your life. Um, Oof. I have capital T things to say about this, which is why <laughs> I was like, Abby, put this shit in the notes because we're going to talk about <laughs> this. Um, because, look, art and film, yes, they can influence culture. They can give you empathy. They can tell you stories that you've never heard before about events that have taken place or about lifestyles that you're not familiar with. That is the power of film and representation and inclusion. But also because, and we talked about this with Annalise last episode, like art is with is part of the white supremacist system. And so the people who are creating film are part of that system and most of the time we only get one perspective or a very limited perspective um and (laughs) and Annalise said this very perfectly because she's perfect but she's like art is a mirror um and I subscribe to that idea as well is that art um, imitates life it's not that like Art is like some prophetic thing because otherwise 1984 and all of these like books, these science fiction books that have been published and for, you know, decades ago, we would have like been like, oh, no, we're going to get to that point. And look, we're at that point and no one cares. (laughs) Like and there's so many pieces of art like of of many mediums, film included, that have portrayed things like the Holocaust, like Schindler's List comes to mind by Steven Spielberg. And yet here Mm -hmm. we are again, like a very powerful film. If you've never seen it, you should. 
um not something you necessarily want to rewatch but mm-hmm. no. <laughs> um, yeah. i like I, I i i yeah now that you've said that like it fucking kills me there are so many movies in particular since brian wants to talk about film that that deal with the holocaust that portray the holocaust um like schindler's list and even though it's shit the boy in the striped pajamas and um life is beautiful and all of these other really heartbreaking movies to show you hey concentration camps are bad (laughs) you shouldn't do this and if you want to get sci-fi with it there's district nine for apartheid like oh yeah. yeah yeah and like which i have my own issues with representing like a an actual like shitty thing that south africa did to actual mm-hmm. human beings with like insect aliens but right still. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. and here comes this dude coming in and saying you know george lucas could have stopped all this with some fake movie in space with laser swords i think his original tweet was something like i understand why george lucas didn't do this because of what's happening like or some shit like that right like george lucas had the foresight to be like yeah we'll have concentration camps in our country which you know for it wasn't that far off of an idea um but like yeah i i should you know i should really put this in my movie because i'm gonna stop I'm going to stop the border crisis in 1999 before it happens in 2019. You see, you see, well. you see the border camps are the key to all this. <laughs> oh my God. I can't with that. I've, I've, I've watched the, I've watched the episode one documentary a lot. Okay. <laughs> yep. But yeah. And I don't know. It just like a lot of people like star Wars, but not a lot of people care about Star Wars that much. And, no. <laughs> and, and like, by and large, most of them don't even get the political implications of the Rebels versus the Empire. Exactly. exactly. Like, there's literal, like, Nazi imagery in, like, the Empire is bad, and that is an allegory for something, and people are still just like, oh, no, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, but, There's, like, yeah. <laughs> there's references to, like, we were the villains in Vietnam and people are like, oh, it just goes pew pew, you know. (laughs) There's someone in the Senate in the prequels that's literally like very closely named to a certain politician from the George W. Bush era. (laughs) It's like (laughs) all, all these clues about how this is supposed to be mirroring reality, not um, influencing reality. So um, yeah. I, I mean, if Anakin literally says, if you're not with me, then you're my an- my enemy, which is something very closely related to what George W. Bush you're said. You're either with us or against us. Exactly. Yeah. During the war on terror. Like, he wasn't very <sighs> subtle about a lot of these connections he was making. But moviegoers, like, I mean, like, how often do you go into a Star Wars film, aside from us, how often does an average moviegoer go into a Star Wars film and be like, I'm looking for the political implications of this? <laughs> like, I mean, I know no. I didn't until I started becoming conscious of politics and exactly. social justice. And most people aren't. Most people don't care. Most people are, oh. like, not, they, their art is a distraction for them. It's, it's, um, it's a welcome distraction mm-hmm. from the horrors of our current political climate. Yeah. But you can right. still have like political like 
imagery and all that mm-hmm. stuff in your art. And I think. And art is inherently political. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just don't understand where this comes from when you're like, oh, art can influence all of society. It's like, well, um, I'm trying to think of like like radical pieces of art from like marginalized people or just mm-hmm. black, black panther should have cured racism oh, yeah. because totally. it was an, it was so it was so revolutionary and like it 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 hired black people to like write a story <laughs> about black people <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but but no here we are with you know within the same universe marvel kills off like and, and fridges some of its female characters literally like within three films oh, later that are released so started. you know like <laughs> like it's a system it's not it's still part of the white supremacist system it's not separated from that um, it's also part of a mm-hmm. system like cis like cisgender and i'm sorry i'm making a pun <laughs> oh wait i get it <laughs> Yeah, it's like it. Oh my god. But yeah. So I just I just felt like we had to address that because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure no one actually bought into what he was saying, especially because he got so much so much flack for it. He deleted the tweet. But I just I I wanted to talk about that because it is more complicated than just like a one tweet thing. Like, yes, like art can can have you experience empathy for different types of people but it's i do not i would not say it is an influence on culture it doesn't have the, that right. sort of power because it's part of the system that is creating this culture and this power dynamic well i mean it has an influence on him he named it kid anakin so yeah well, <laughs> well i have nothing else to say about that <laughs> yeah. yeah there's just there's a lot of assumptions in the way that things are put in these threads. Um, mm-hmm. And they definitely come from a place of privilege because mm-hmm. obviously this person who tweeted this sees themselves in media a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I would never look at Star Wars and be like, oh, um, there's a ton of Asian people in there. Like that represents what my what my neighborhood and my society and my circle looks like. Or there's tons of queer folks in there. That represents my social circle. <laughs> like that's it's not a ref- it's it no it's right. This is coming from someone who sees themselves in media quite right. often. And well, and let's. I'm oh, sorry, Jess. No, go ahead. I was just saying, let's not forget when he wrote that entire article about diversity in Star Wars and didn't bother to interview anybody who wasn't a cis white straight male. Or toxicity. Yeah, yeah, about toxicity. That's exactly what it was about. Yeah, like this, that you just can't make this shit up. Like, no. <laughs> you really nope. can't. If I wrote this down in a story, someone would be like, that's way too obvious and stupid. You can't write that. Like, if I posted on Facebook, the Phantom Menace could have stopped concentration camps. Like, people would be like, uh, are you okay? Yeah. Bottom line, get your head out of your ass before you tweet. But and if you don't, feel free to say you were wrong. That's also okay. Mm. It's mm-hmm. also okay. We accept that as well. You can admit you're uh, wrong, or you can just block everyone and delete your account. Like... <laughs> A lot of that this week. Yeah, no, I got, I got, I I got blocked too. So, yeah. (laughs) All right, let's talk about some fun stuff. Um, 
We're going to talk about headcanons. Um, I know Pride Month is technically over, it's but Pride lives now. on in our hearts year round. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pride Wrath Month. <laughs> gay Wrath. Um, gay Wrath. <laughs> Let's talk about some queer headcanons. And Jacqueline, I know you are always tweeting about this stuff, which is kind of why we were like, oh, we have to get Jacqueline to talk about some headcanons. So some might call it shit posting. And I would agree, but also I'm right. So, <laughs> so. please tell us about some of your headcanons. Okay. So for the purposes of making like interesting like discussion and conversation, I decided to focus on three specific characters which I have shit posted at on, at length about being trans lesbians. Um Ahsoka, Ray, and Revan. Revan from Kotor, mm-hmm. Ray from the sequel trilogy, and Ahsoka of course from the Clone Wars. But all three of these relate to different points in my life where I understood something more about myself as I experienced these things. Basically, it's projection, but it also goes to just, like, outline how if people like, say, me, a trans woman and a lesbian, claims things, it's because we notice things in these characters' narratives that that we connect to and really resonate with us. How old am I? Um... (laughs) Uh, okay, so in 2008 was when the Clone Wars started. I was 11, and um, Ahsoka was really the first female character that I started like actively identifying with, like um, very, very much. And so, in hindsight, given that Ahsoka is one of the characters, female characters, I started relating to more when I was younger. The Clone Wars stopped airing when I was 16. And then I kept getting interested in more stuff and solely relating to the female characters. Um, I credit Ahsoka in part with helping me understand my own womanhood. And I felt that I grew up with her in some way. And so in hindsight, I will just say, well, she has my identity. That's how it is. She's a trans lesbian because I said so. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. I want to know about Revan. Talk about that. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Revan, Revan is is really cool. So this this is where I get real Charlie Kelly Pepe Silvio with stuff. Um, so I, ever since I was um, a young kid, um, I would I didn't like have the means money to just buy a bunch of EU stuff to experience. So I just read Wikipedia a lot, a lot. Um, and so I knew the story of Revan, um, at least the quote unquote canon, even though it's legends now, the canon version of Revan's story, which in my opinion is bullshit because fuck you, Drew Carbishan. Um, uh, but I'm sorry. Revan just left his pregnant wife alone and never came back. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> no, but I knew that I knew the story of Knights of the Old Republic and Darth Revan and Knights of the Old Republic too. And it wasn't until like 
December, January of 2017, no, of 2018. This was post, um, uh, this was post uh, The Last Jedi. Um, so that's when I bought um, Knights of the Old Republic on Steam and played it for the first time. I also went through the trouble of teaching myself how to mod the game so that I could romance Basila Shan as a female Revan. <gasps> can you not do I, that in regular game? No, no, no. You can, you, the, interestingly enough, the first, like, instance of a explicitly gay character in Star Wars is in the first Knights of the Old Republic game. Huh. But it is Juani, the Cathar, on the, in the party. And she was kind of snuck in without Lucasfilm knowing about it until the game released. Um, oops. <laughs> um, but no, this was this game was from 2003, so it wasn't like there's a whole bunch of mainstream LGBT representation in games and in popular culture that appeals to the more mainstream. Mm -hmm. So um, no, basically it's just a... Basically, I just taught myself how to mod the game so that when it comes to romance scenes, it the game thinks that my female Revan is a male Revan. The dialogue doesn't change, but it is enough that I can just ignore it and be like, hey, it's gay. Yay. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, no, it actually took me a full day to figure out how that worked. Um, yeah. But worth it. Um, the point I was making in terms of this part of my identity and resonating with this character is I'd already known the story of Revan. This was just like common background junk knowledge I had. But when I actually experienced the game, a game which is an interactive medium, and I experienced it post-transition, I started transitioning halfway through 2016 this was like the beginning of 2018, so I was living full-time as a woman um, and all that jazz. And so when I saw the narrative of Revan being gaslit by the people around her into thinking that she's someone else completely, people like the Jedi, like enforcing structure around her to try to guide who she is, I saw a lot of society's like focus on masculinity and toxic masculinity and that really for Revan's arc in the game being you as a player helping her or them or him determine their identity felt very queer and very very trans to me and when um uh when Malik on the Leviathan's bridge says Basically, newsflash, Revan, you, you were a Sith the entire goddamn time. Um, essentially, I felt very much like when my brain told myself in, like, January of 2016, newsflash, asshole, you've been a girl the entire time. Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> wild. And so, yeah, Revan is a trans woman, and I'm right. <laughs> you are. Um, you are 100% right. <laughs> That's so cool. I wow. love that. And it also, and all of this ties into Ray too, because fuck it. <laughs> the Force Awakens came out in December of 2015, and that was it was December 15th, 2015, or something. I don't remember. It was two weeks before I like admitted to myself, 
I am transgender. Like, I, through my entire life, been, like, feeling certain things and just denying them, pushing them down, ignoring, ignoring them, researching stuff about trans and LGBT issues because I was, quote-unquote, just being a good ally and not, like, it wasn't for me. It was just to be a good ally. <laughs> um, but It's a big mood. <laughs> but I, I saw a new era of Star Wars begin in which a woman was the main leading character. And even from the beginning before it was clear that she was going to be the protagonist of the sequel trilogy, I saw myself in this woman on screen and in no other character on screen. I kind of sat with that for a while and I believe was one of the major contributing factors to helping me just like finally accept that I was a because of that raised trans <laughs> and because I'm a lesbian so is she but also because she's just got that weird energy <laughs> so yeah um Jacqueline you were telling me about how you gave a presentation at your okay <laughs> please <laughs> okay please share the story <laughs> okay so um so i am i'm still in college i go to grand valley state university in michigan and i work at the lgbt center on campus when i'm in school and what the student workers at this the the student workers in the, this position do is these things called open door discussions in which we invite different like people on campus anyone can come in and listen and engage in a discussion in the end of the 2017-2018 year i did a presentation on lgbt representation in both canon and legends in star wars and the final few slides are basically just me rambling about how i think characters are gay um, the one that the part that Jess was particularly fond of was the slide near the end called "Presented Without Comment" that had the following: a picture of Finn and Poe next to each other, a picture of C-3PO and R2D2, and a close-up of Ray's hand with her nails clipped short. <laughs> Just saying. And I also just remembered that I end that the final slide is that meme where it has it's Luke and Vader in the elevator in Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. except that they've photoshopped the I love my gay son t shirt on <laughs> yes. Vader. Take your kid to work day. I heart my gay son. <laughs> and the the Luke Skywalker slide was just me talking about the deleted scenes in both A New Hope and Return of the Jedi where the boy, the boy is not acting heterosexual. Oh God, no! God, no. hey, let me hold Han's hand in this sandstorm for a like hot second. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, deleted scene. Yeah, in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it, let me look like I want to make out with Biggs for like five minutes. That, <laughs> there's a lot of that in the deleted scenes from Manu. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, I had no idea. It's pretty great. And of course, I talk about how. Sabine Wren in particular is very, very queer coded. Yes. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. 
Jacqueline, do you have any other head cannons or Abby, do you want to go next? <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you, do we want to limit this to Star Wars or do you want me to go down the list? <laughs> to do that, you should um, follow Jacqueline on Twitter. <laughs> yes, I I have threads which I will retweet. Good. Yeah, no, it's it's basically all I do. <laughs> And occasionally thirst over fictional women and real women like Brie Larson. Follow me. Wait, Brie Larson follows you? Is that what you just said? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm saying to the viewer, follow me. No, if Brie Larson followed me, I would not be on this podcast because I would in fact be dead. (laughs) I think you would like cut out right at the perfect time. And I was like, what? I've been tweeting at Brie Larson to step on me this whole time and you don't give me a boost. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I have like two different tweets where I'm like Brie Larson impregnate me challenge and I don't even have a uterus. So (laughs) I'm just going to say it, say, say it right here. Just like for the record, Ray is 100% capable of steering the Millennium Falcon with her dick. They hated Jesus because he told them the truth. Ray has a big fat dick. I love it. Hell yeah. Gigantic. Hell yeah. <laughs> Kylo comes up trying to like start some shit and she's like, no thanks, I have a bigger dick than you. <laughs> I love it. That is the best hand- headcanon. I don't I don't think I can compete with that. No. Abby, what else? What do you got? I mean, like all of mine are, I feel like we should have gone first, right? Like first we were- at first, Jacqueline's got these like really beautiful things about like this represents where I was at my pro- point in my life. To Ray has a big swing and dick, and now I I I can't I can't top that. <laughs> I contain multitudes. It's beautiful, and I love it. Um, That's what this podcast is about: <laughs> deep stuff and porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That is women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you right, you right, you right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I yeah. feel like a lot of my uh, like queer head canons are a lot of projection is basically what it comes down to. Um, because literally my three favorite Star Wars characters are somewhere within the LGBTQ plus spectrum. I always I had canon Luke as bi. Part of that uh-huh. is because like I relate to Luke a lot. Therefore, he must be bi. Um, <laughs> but also because like but also like there have been canonical instances of Luke having feelings for women. Um, one was in the, oh, what the hell is that one comic called? I don't know. This one comic um, where he has kind of a relationship with a black woman. And that doesn't get to happen. It's What is it? It was one of the more recent arcs in the main Star Wars yes, comic. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, there's that, and a, an arc right after it um, goes out of its way to mention that Luke had a crush on Afra. So yes, I do remember that one too. Um, yes. So like, this doesn't get to happen where the lead white boy gets to have these kinds of like relationships with women of color because you know racism and gross shit like that. And so yeah. I never want to take that away. I never want to take away Luke's feelings for other women, which sounds silly because he's a, he's faking in space. But like, 
I, I think I relate to that really deeply when um, I had canon him as bi and somebody's like, no, he's gay is like, okay, but like, why not bi? You know, because I feel like I have my uh, attraction to women really erased all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because I've, I am in a relationship with a cis man for eight plus years. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of that is the projection of like, no, screw you. Like I'm saying Luke is bi because I am too. <laughs> um, yeah. Like if, if you're going to come up to someone else's like tweet about how they think this character is this, make your own right? tweet. Like, like it's a fucking headcanon. That's what headcanons are for. But you know, I yep. digress. And then Leia, in my mind, is also by, and Emma talked about this in our episode with Sapphic Skywalkers, um, and then we also touched on it again in our episode with Annalise, um, about the idea that Leia didn't, re- Leia didn't realize she was by until later in her life, because I also deeply resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't accept that I was by until my 20s, early 20s, I think. Um and had a lot of struggles with that because in middle school, one of my friends would always be like, yeah, like by being bi isn't a real thing. It's just something you try in college. And then I was I realized that I was bi in college. So I was like, ah, shit, son of a bitch. Um, so the idea of somebody finding out later in their life that they experience attraction to women and non-binary folks and all sorts of stuff like that um is really empowering to me and then i always just think ahsoka is a big old lesbian so oh totally i i mean i this is something i say all the time but lux bonteri the only way he could possibly exist is as the personification of compulsory heterosexuality Like, Lux Monteri fucking sucks. <laughs> I am of the opinion that Ahsoka misinterpreted her feelings of frustration around him for <laughs> romantic feelings because of because her only frame of reference was Anakin and Padme. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah, I'm into that. Also, Stila, Stila should have survived. It should have been you, Lux. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I, Lux. like, my mind was just blown right there when you said, like, when you said that now i need to go back and rewatch yeah. all of that and see like before they took it off netflix well i have it on blu-ray it like well at times. least most yeah. of it i have the first five seasons on blu-ray because <laughs> <laughs> i i'm a analog like that um i wish um no i want to go back and watch that because i didn't even think about ahsoka's like essentially like her one heterosexual relationship that she's constantly around is Anakin and Padme and so that's her Mm -hmm. example oh my god there's a lot of there's a lot of Anakin I just watched Attack the Clones earlier today Obi-Wan does some really stupid shit and people don't really pay enough attention to the fact that Anakin's most definitely doing a lot of stupid shit because he learned it from watching Obi-Wan and there's a lot of Ahsoka doing that learning from Anakin too. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you brought up Obi-Wan because I think Obi-Wan is a big bi boy and uh, he was totally oh, he was totally in love with Anakin and that's why this was so hard for him and that's why he wanted to look after his children after he went to the dark side. 
because he felt like he was their other dad. <laughs> also, I can't imagine Obi-Wan not flirting oh with everything in sight. Yeah. Obi-Wan just boned everybody in the galaxy, yep. except for the one he truly loved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus <God>. Christ. <laughs> Uh, there's even chemistry between him and what's his name at Dex's diner. Like, come on, you know, De- Dexter, right? Dex, Dex. yeah. <laughs> Dex from Dex's Dex, diner, the owner of Dex's diner. <laughs> Dex of Dexter's diner. What? Obi Wan and Quinlan Voss. I can see some frustration sex happening. Oh yeah. Well, my headcanon with that is that like he didn't like. Quinlan Voss because like they both had a thing for Ventress and Obi-Wan didn't want to be Eskimo oh. brothers with him. He just wanted to wanted to bone him too. <laughs> I'm of the opinion. Or they had like a really hot fucking Oh yeah, reason. I'm all about that. Too. Oh. Oh, I'm I'm down for it. Right the fix. <laughs> right. right the fix. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that Dark the last part of Dark Disciple never happened and Ventress lived happily into her oh, 80s. Yeah. yeah. Because Ventress did nothing wrong ever in her life. Or sweet baby assassin. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk about why why are these headcanons important? Because I feel like every Star Wars fan has them and people have their like guilty headcanons and they have their like unpopular headcanons and everyone just feels like they have to talk about this. Like when we get together as Star Wars fans, like especially in person or like when we're doing stuff like this, like we talk about headcanons all the time. So what is it about mm-hmm. this that's that's super that's what is this i (laughs) i think it's us trying to create a form of representation within the community that where we talk Mm -hmm. about the these pieces of media where the media itself is not representing us Mm -hmm. because it's i mean oh hey we're 10 almost 11 films deep into star wars and we've got kind of holdo except she's never like acknowledged as queer on screen so it doesn't count so and and no and what's his name um john daddy's boy who wrote so kasdan um, <laughs> john kasdan just because just because you have him flirt with a robot doesn't make lando pan that's not right. how pansexuality works you stupid stupid white man also you follow ben shapiro on twitter so shut up this is why we're friends yeah, 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 yeah. so let me ask you this because you are both white ladies mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like it's much easier to have headcanons about sexuality and identity in terms of something that is not necessarily race related or maybe like disability related or at least visibly visible disability related. Um, It's I feel like it's much harder for me to have headcanons that directly relate to my identity because if they're not Asian, like, okay, they're just not Asian. Mm -hmm. Like, I I have to create my own characters (laughs) as Asians in space (laughs) because um, there's, like, four. Um, But I, I find it really fascinating that even as someone who identifies as straight, I've always had these, like, headcanons about queer people shut up abby don't look <laughs> too deeply into that <laughs> that's how it starts it, it is how it starts oh god damn you not you too 
<laughs> the bi awakens. Oh, shut up. Um, but yeah, I just think it's interesting. I mean, what whatever my sexual identity is, you it's know, whatever you say it is. Like, yeah, like the fact that like I too, as a straight person, have like also engaged in that type of headcanon. And I know other straight people do as, as well, like mm-hmm. because um that kind of that kind of says something to me that like even like even we're like clamoring for that type of representation even though it doesn't necessarily speak to me like personally about Mm -hmm. my identity like I still want to see that shit because it's hot and (laughs) or it's like fascinating or it's also like it makes a character more interesting um when you see an an mm -hmm. aspect of something that exists in real human life that isn't represented in a galaxy where there are fucking aliens everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean that both in the aliens are just a lot of them and they are aliens and that's <laughs> emphasis. And I also mean the fact that aliens bang because every, everyone who isn't ace, I guess, has sex. Um, but, or they don't. You know, I don't know. I'm a, I have no experience in this shit. Point I'm trying to make is... <laughs> there's that's something that i think especially a lot of um even straight white people notice Mm -hmm. but it is also very easy for um white fans both straight um cis and trans and queer to overlook the fact that a lot of the human representation in star wars a universe which is inspired by akira kurosawa films which is based heavily in a lot of Eastern aesthetics and Orientalist tropes is the human representation is like 95% white. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, we've got alien representation, which is, yeah, but we have a lot more humans in this franchise than like named alien characters. And they're all white people. And because that is an aspect where all like all, all kinds of white fans see themselves represented in that becomes a blind spot that a lot of us don't actually like hone in on because it's something we take for granted. I also think that's like in terms of, as Jess mentioned, Jacqueline and I are both white ladies. I think in that respect, that's also part of our privilege is like, we in terms of our race never have to be like man i you know like what if this person was white because they all are uh-huh. <laughs> um and so i i think that really helps in terms of like the head canoning of well this person could be queer because that whatever um but yeah i i definitely think that's part of our of our privilege of being uh-huh. white people in the lgbtq plus community I often think, at least in terms of representation there, what I, I try to imagine what all of this would have looked like if Toshiro Mifune actually played Obi-Wan in the beginning instead of Alec Guinness, like mm. Lucas wanted. We don't want to all be thirsting after a Japanese man, is what. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I've said it before. The only men I will ever be interested in are Star Wars men. Most of them. I'm not particularly attracted to Adam Driver. Um, No, um, me either. 
I am. I'm sorry. Poofy, poofy, <laughs> poofy little, little, ah, his lips, his lips get me. Um, uh, no, Star Wars men, specifically um, Han, Obi-Wan, Poe, and Finn, um, and also every clone, because Temer Morrison is great. Um, Chris Hemsworth is Thor, because oh. let's go lesbians. And, yes. and Keanu Reeves, because Keanu Reeves transcends sexuality. True. He really does. Even Billy loves Keanu Reeves, oh. but Billy's <laughs> Billy is Billy. <laughs> Billy doesn't like anybody. <laughs> Billy likes two people, Jess and Keanu Reeves. Everybody likes Pretty Keanu much. Reeves. <laughs> and everybody likes Jess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> there are some people who do not well, like me. <laughs> I like you, and that's all that matters. I mean, this is true. Black Series Rebels. <laughs> god the tea is fucking hot today oh it's great so one thing that i feel like some of us encounter when we um express our headcanons publicly in a forum like twitter or (laughs) where people are allowed to comment um you get people shaming you for certain headcanons or just telling you you're wrong Mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is really annoying because these are headcanons like right. you it's like you have to it's 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 super annoying that you have to like preface it sometimes with like I know so and so is a villain and they're like a Nazi allegory but blah 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 headcanon or thir- you know like mm-hmm. you have to you have to you have to kind of like justify like I know this about this character, but you know this real world world shit about this character. But this is my fictional, you know, desire for this character, and it's like we're just allowed to do this because we're humans and we're creative and mm-hmm. we we love Star Wars and people just need to fuck off on the internet and it's, yeah. and it's important to note the difference in like framing where it where say we as women or other other fans fans of color stuff like that with um people people having headcanons and just owning them as headcanons and then people like say brian young just making statements and just like with his white maleness just like being so assured that he's right that's not really seen as headcanon by by and large. That's just seen as oh, it's interpretation, and and this is a take that people can get into, as opposed to oh, it's just quote unquote fan fiction. Fan fiction's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a very interesting point there because I feel like as a woman, I'm so used to being attacked for all of my opinions about Star Wars mm-hmm. that I have to preface it as this is a headcanon a lot of times so that I can preemptively stop people from being like that's dumb or whatever they say mm-hmm. whereas like someone who has the confidence of a mediocre white man can just tweet out a take and it, t- it is technically a headcanon but right. it's lauded as this like this is amazing interpretation of this of this art form and then they look at mon and you're like oh you're just a thirsty bitch mm-hmm. like <laughs> well it's the same kind of thing with Stuff like can be two things well yeah it's the same kind of thing with like male youtubers like male star wars youtubers in particular like doing what if series like what if you had joined vader or what if this happened or what if that happened Basically, they're creating fan fiction. 
you're creating alternate universe fan fiction, but you're not calling that, calling it that. You're calling it a what if. And other men eat that shit up. But God forbid, like yeah. we as women write fan fiction, then it's stupid and gross. And like, why do women have to insert their shit into everything? And it's like, you guys do the fucking same thing with your what ifs. You're creating fan fiction. And that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in their case, sometimes it's very short-sighted and mediocre, but it's still cool that you're getting into it enough to put your own imaginative spin on things. Exactly. Exactly. But like also like own up to the fact that you are engaging in this thing that you shame women. For. Like we can all be one happy fanfic family. It's fine. Yeah, I think it just goes back to what we talked about in our fan fiction episode about how it is mm -hmm. traditionally like a woman's medium. And it's been associated with shipping for so long. And that's totally something that's, you know, been, quote, mm -hmm. a woman's thing in fandom that it's looked down upon. It's like certain, you know, I'm thinking of like YA fiction or um, things that teen girls are into, like certain types of like films mm -hmm. and like Twilight, for example, like that are just, you know, like the fact that Robert Pattinson, you know, was, you know, was in talks to. He's officially Batman now. Is he officially Batman now? So he was in talks to be Batman and now he is. And everyone was like shitting themselves mm -hmm. because he was in Twilight and they've, that's like the only movie that they know him from. And it's like a teen girl, like, yeah. So it's, like the fact that it's associated with women and young women at that. Um, but then if you're a dude and you're just saying like the fact that you're not, you're like stepping away from it being like, you're allowed to just talk about like these what if scenarios without it being considered fan fiction mm -hmm. or head cannons or whatever um, because of your status as mm -hmm. a white mm -hmm. cis male usually. And like, just even <laughs> I think this also goes into the conversations that we've been having of what it means to be a good ally when we're talking like queer head cannons in particular. And this applies to straight white cis men and straight white cis women um, as well. Like, just fucking let us have it. Stop trying to be like. I yeah. don't think so. It's just like just or don't place yeah don't place yeah. like morality on headcanons. Like oh you think that's you that's your headcanon? Like you must be a bad person. A, a long time ago, I had posted a picture of the bi flag next to Luke and Binary Sunset and was like coincidence? I think not. And like talking about like how all of Star Wars is gay, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure I also did this during the month of June. Um. And like every month ever since. But I remember this was like the first time I had posted that. This is like the very beginnings of uh -huh. me starting to be comfortable with being out on the internet because, you know, like I'm not out in my full life in terms of I don't just, you know, I've never made it a grand thing just because like I don't, I don't know why that just hasn't been the way I do it. If it comes up, it comes up kind of thing. But this was still in the very uh -huh. early stages of me saying that I'm bi on the internet and I'd posted this and a cis white straight woman had subtweeted me saying like you're not being a very good ally if you insist that all Star Wars characters are retroactively gay which first of all how dare you a cis white what? straight woman get to decide what? what makes somebody a good ally to the queer community and second of all fuck that. you <laughs> I'm queer and 
like I didn't have it in my bio or anything like that, but I feel like at that point in time I had made it pretty explicitly clear. And I got I got so upset about it that I deleted it because I was like, oh, well, fuck me, I guess, right? Like uh, maybe I'll just keep my mouth shut about my my head cannons because this person who at the time also had a lot of clout is telling me I'm a bad person for having it and calling me a bad ally, even though I'm not a fucking ally. I'm part of the community. Just fucking let's have our shit. Wow. Yeah. We have fun. We like to have fun. The way I deal with people like questioning my head cannons, because I know I'm just making shit posts, is to just very self righteously say, to reiterate what I said in the first place, yes. and just say, I'm right because yeah. I said so. Because you can be right. It's your headcanon. It's always right. <laughs> um, so I think this relates to our next topic because we were wanted to talk about the importance of community and you know finding finding acceptance and finding your people. And I feel like headcanons a lot of time is like how you find your people, especially like in an online space like Twitter, because you're like, oh, hey, I like that headcanon. I agree with this person. Mm -hmm. Like, you're cool. I'm going to follow you or I'm going to pay more attention to you or we're going to be friends now. Like, that's how I found a, a lot of my Star Wars friends is just like, oh, I like this take or I like this headcanon. Have you guys experienced oh, yeah. that as oh, well? Yeah. It sounds oh, like yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, Oh, hell yes. My current best friend of going on, f no, not going on, of five years now, um, Laura, is somebody that I met through, I don't even know, a like clear fandom. We were both into Dragon Age and Korra at the same time in 2014 on Tumblr. Now we're each other's like most important person, aside from her significant other. Um, this is somebody who when she and I like met and became friends, I was quote unquote a straight man and she was a quote unquote straight woman. And we are now both lesbians, so that's fun. But we're no longer into exactly the same shit anymore, but that kind of community helped us find each other and become best friends. And it's been five years and she's in Canada and she's She's come down here to visit once. I've visited her up there twice. It's great. I have friends that I made in like the Harry Potter fandom like years ago. Like, bef I mean, we weren't even, I think it was just like work friends. We would talk about headcanons around Harry Potter like at mm -hmm. work. And like we started going to the, the midnight showings together and then like waiting in line for the books when they were released at midnight too. And still some of my best friends to this day just because because of Harry Potter. <laughs> like, it's like, how do you make friends as adults? I don't know, go online and start talking about your fandoms and then you make friends. Cause I see, I, it seems to me that's the easiest way for me to make friends um, as an adult. It's very easy. Um, otherwise it's just like, what do you talk about? We just talk about fictional characters and how much we love them. <laughs> Maybe this is why I don't have any friends at work. Same, right now. hard same. <laughs> well, well, nobody wants to talk about this shit. They're only talking about mundane yeah, reality and shit or how they're or the how they're Ew. gonna or Ew. how they're training to be a cop <laughs> but you're still working at a movie theater right now so so i i think you guys can probably speak on this better than i can but i know found family is something that's huge in the lgbtq community just because so many people are 
rejected from their biological families when they come out or maybe their friend groups. And um, I know it's important to find people where you can mm -hmm. feel like you can be yourself and you don't have to pretend you're a certain way. And I know, Abby, you have mm -hmm. a very religious mm -hmm. upbringing. <laughs> and I'm that plays I'm sure that plays a part in this as well but I don't know maybe you guys can talk about just because I know Star Wars has like a big mm -hmm. theme in Star Wars is fan family and I feel like I know so many people in just in general that really that really resonates with who for one reason or another don't get along with their family they it found family is important mm -hmm. to them for whatever reason and so they see that in star wars and that's really that's something that resonates with them from this franchise yeah. um i think part of a found family for me also in addition to being raised religiously and you know somewhat conservatively is also like it was just my parents and I in Illinois and the rest of my family lives in different various parts of the country. Um, and so like I have always had found family um, where like there are older people in my life that are my aunts and uncles, even though we aren't related, which I feel like everybody and their mother has. But like found family has always been a very important thing to me just because I was never able to have my 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 blood relatives near me all the time. But then that became more important as I grew up and realized that a lot of the found family in terms of friends that I made would no longer accept me being bi. And there, I'm sure, are some members of my family who would also not accept me, which is why I haven't said anything because I just, I'm just tired. <laughs> and it's not, I don't know. You yep. can tell whoever you um, want to tell. <laughs> And so I think one of my biggest instances of found family recently was at Celebration. I don't think I have ever in my 24 years of life been allowed to be that queer. <laughs> um, to be like really, really talking about it and making jokes about it all the time and like saying dumb shit that other people get, like that are part of being part of the queer community because I think I've mentioned this on the the pod a couple of times like I am as, as to my knowledge I am the only out queer person within my circle of friends at home <clears throat> so like I'll make jokes and people are like wait I don't get right. it or like what does that have to do with anything and I'm like fuck if like if my Star Wars Twitter friends were here they they, they would get it you know and even my Star Wars Twitter friends that are, are straight, like, tend to have more interactions with the queer community than some of my straight friends at home do. Um, and so those that whole weekend in celebration was really one of the most liberating weekends of my life because that was a whole weekend where I could be nothing but myself in terms of, like, a big old Star Wars nerd um, and a big old queer. <laughs> Um, and not have to worry about anybody judging me or saying anything against me. And um, I think that's where a lot of my post-celebration sadness comes from is now I have to come back to this reality of I'm the only queer person in my friend group. And even though they are accepting and loving of me, like it's just not the same. Like I, I had a really hard yeah. time this, this past Pride Month because mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to go to some sort of Pride event. Um, the Pride Parade in Chicago was on 
was yesterday, but I couldn't go because I was out of town. So that's a little bit different. But like I, I'm going through the list of people in my head of who I could go with. And literally like all of them are straight. And that's fine. Like I have no problems bringing some of my straight friends with or um, my partner with or whatever. But like it just would have been different. And I think more satisfying had I been able to go with somebody mm-hmm. who was part of the LGBTQ plus community. So I didn't go to anything. And that was really hard. Um, and I think that it, unless something changes, it'll be the same thing next Pride. So it's just having that found family is so fucking important to me because these are the people that I can let go and be myself around and not have to watch my mouth or... Um, filter some of the jokes i make because other people won't get it and shit like that no totally same um i am currently home for the summer in um my hometown which is two full hours away from my university and that's where all my career friends are i started presenting as female the exact day that i moved down to campus my freshman year and then I essentially lived in the LGBT center and met all of my friends through there. And now that I'm back in my hometown, which has its own issues with me being openly trans um, among like the high school that I graduated from years before, I just don't really have anyone in this in this area that even that's queer or gets me even like my family's cool with me but but it's completely different when i have my friends over in grand rapids who are all queer mostly non-binary um who understand all of this on a much and in some ways understand me on a much more fundamental and truer level that i can't really get at home and so Summer's kind of just been sleeping, doing random bullshit, and then working and rinse and repeat. So it's really important that I have that support system of found family through my friends who I've met through college who are all queer. But they're all two hours away, so... It's a fucking hard yeah. knock life. <laughs> yeah, and and just like you said, I I grew up without like a lot of my... Mm -hmm. extended family around like i was born in oklahoma which is and a lot of my extended family resides in oklahoma and kansas right now but when i was four we moved to michigan and so visits from extended family or to extended family became a lot more like a once a year thing and so yes found family is super important in that i didn't have a lot of that around me as often as some others might even just biological family shit sucks now i'm emotional (laughs) yay um i forgot to put this question in here but one of the things that we've been asking all of our guests for pride month has been why do we think star wars calls to us even though it doesn't always include us so jacqueline if you'd like to give a little bit of perspective on that what's the whole thing obi-wan says in the first in a new hope You've taken your first steps into a greater universe. In Ray's Force Vision, um, he says, these are your first steps. There's just this idea of some unlimited possibility 
like a vast universe where it doesn't appear like if we were there, we'd have the same limits we have in our real life world. Yet there are still allegories and parallels to things in our current reality, which most of us understand are not things that are going to directly affect reality, but still have some form of influence. So especially when the main protagonists, for the most part, are people engaging in revolution, resistance, rebellion, direct action against authoritarian, fascist power structures that are things that commonly will keep many of us down in the real world. And so it's very easy for us to see ourselves in this cause that in a lot of ways mirrors revolutionary causes in the real world. Yeah. It's like, that's what you want to do, but you don't know how to in the real world. And so it's like this space fantasy lets you experience that. Why can't, why can't I pilot the goddamn Millennium Falcon in real life? Because it doesn't exist. And shoot down the, the, the allegorical death star of the United mm -hmm. States. What? (laughs) Reagan Star Wars program. I was going to say something really radical about the military. Put your but fist through the military. Please do. It's going to compare the Death Star with the Pentagon, but let's just. <laughs> I mean, no. Nah. Happy Fourth of July. <sighs> I. Empire, the Empire, the Pentagon, both. <laughs> God, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to the Fourth of July. It's especially with the news being what it is. Ugh. Also, the fact that I work at a movie theater oh, and Spider-Man yes. comes out Oh, tomorrow. everyone pray for Jacqueline. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking earlier today that, like, every single holiday that we celebrate in this country has some type of, like, imperialist, like, colonialist bullshit associated with it. And I'm just not going to celebrate holidays anymore. Like, so. <laughs> the only holiday we're celebrating um, yeah. is my birthday. Like, and Star Wars Day. And, so- <laughs> and my birthday. And Jeff- and Jess's birthday. Oh, I don't really care. I, I'm over 30 now. It's all It all blurs together. Um, we have um, reviews. Do we not? Yeah, we have. Well, as of right now, we have one. But um, our site that we use to get an international view should hopefully send us an email in a couple of days. Um, they send it to us once a month. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you are an international listener and you've been, like, reviewing and are like, what the fuck, why haven't they said it yet? This is why. Um, And I could do what other podcasters do and go through each country on iTunes, but one, I don't know how to do that, and two, I don't, I'm kind of lazy. I'd rather a website to do all the work for me. So if you're an international listener and you've left us a review since my last go through of all the international reviews that we have like it it'll be coming don't worry and i will appreciate the heck out of you but we do have a new one from geek of all trades and it's short sweet and to the point um i'm not one to comment a lot but i will say this podcast has become one of my new favorites thank you thank you before we do the wrap up we got an email Mm -hmm. and abby i'm gonna have you take this because it's juicy yeah um so we would gotten an email from one of our newer listeners named hope so hope thank you for the email we really appreciate it we love it when people email us and their question was specifically about (laughs) i think the email title was like questions about vibrating (laughs) raptors 
Which is our episode title with Sapphic Skywalkers. And I like read yeah, that no. while I was at work and I was like. <laughs> um, basically, in addition to all of her lovely and wonderful praise that she gave us, um, one of the big questions that she had was um, our thoughts about Tarkin being gay and TK421, a stormtrooper, being gay. Um, and so this all kind of came about from from a certain point of view um, in mm-hmm. of MSE and men, which is I love that tit- title um, for the mouse droid. Basically, in that chapter, we find out through the mouse droid that TK421, who is a, a quote unquote named character in A New Hope, is having a relationship of some sort with a higher up male officer. And I think people immediately said it's Tarkin. Um, I think there might be context clues that it could be him and all of that. And for at least a year or well over a year, as Hope points out, it was listed as Tarkin being the other officer that TK421 is having a relationship with. On Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, yes. And I, I hope said um, it, that it really bothered her. And these are, I'm going to quote her. <laughs> He's the biggest space Nazi that's ever space Nazied. And it took a lot. And I took a lot of issues with it. That wasn't the representation I was looking for. It was the JK Rowling effect where gay was retroactively, active, retroactively put back into the story about TK40, TK421 and possibly Tarkin. It's not stated in the book that it was Tarkin, but I was shocked for the longest time when I saw it on Wikipedia for well over a year. Um, and so basically the the question at the end of the day is what are our thoughts about like this giant space Nazi being the one who is gay and TK421, who is a nameless character, really, and gets beat up by either Han or Luke on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> All of a sudden, like they're retroactive gay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> Go for it. Now, I personally have not read from a certain point of view, but from what I've heard, a lot of the mannerisms in listed listed for TK four two one are rather stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And I will note that in both canon and I in both in Legends and I think still in canon, Tarkin has a wife. Which also adds some weird duplicitous angle to the gay character, mm-hmm. if that is Tarkin, which also is like, oh, this is just some thing that like men do in secret hookups, and they never actually like this is just a lifestyle decision. Mm-hmm. And making it all just reeks to me of, oh, this will be funny. Rather than actual, like, trying to make representation. Yeah. Because TK421 for, like, years and years has just been referenced in so many memes and nerd t-shirts and all that bullshit. And so it's never somebody who's taken seriously as a character. And and it just feels to me like, oh, he's just flamboyantly gay and may have fucked Tarkin. And that also adds on to queer coding of villains and just, you know how people are like, oh, 
let's just make gay jokes about Trump and Putin because of their policies and because they have an okay relationship with each other professionally. Homophobes are just gays, which removes the responsibility of homophobia from actual homophobic straight people and and puts it onto gay people. And I hate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just hate it. And I like yeah. I don't want to say that like villains can't be queer, but when that's that's being limited to our very tiny bit of queer representations within Star Wars is I love Afra, but she's a piece uh-huh. of shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like like I'm here for Afra. I'm I love Dr. Afra. It's my favorite Star Wars story for like the past like several years. Not several, like two. <laughs> But she, all of her um, interpersonal relationships are fucked. Her, she's just a very poorly adjusted person. And well, a, a lesbian who's just bad at like people and is just <laughs> super toxic is is a narrative that I know I get super into when it's our only like prominent lesbian slash prominent character female character who's into women in star wars it it becomes a thing where you're like really Mm -hmm. especially because in the last few arcs afra who is not only a lesbian but she's asian or the space equivalent of asian is put through through the ringer in a lot of like suffering for her own actions but also the actions of others and it's just kind of like it this would would be less of an issue if we had more characters mm-hmm. that were women of color and queer women who weren't like who were prominent and weren't just put in these sorts of situations and made to make these sorts of mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like if we had more queer representation, like I wouldn't have a problem if Tarkin was gay, like fucking whatever. But because he's like Hope said, the biggest space Nazi to have ever space Nazi. And the implication <laughs> that he could be queer and being one of our only queer uh, instances of queer representation in Star Wars perpetuates the idea that queer people are bad. Yep. Yeah. Also, there's um, this whole thing about kind of being this power dynamic in this relationship. Yes. Right? Where it's almost like yep. predatory. And it has that whole stereotype of like the old gay guy mm-hmm. like preying on like the young the young dude in the office. Yep. And it's like, that's also something that we don't want to perpetuate. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. That's yep. not yep. great. Yep. <laughs> um, but another thing that Hope brought up was um, other characters that she felt were queer coded, which are Callus and Zeb and Orca and Flix, who are from Resistance. And Jess and I still haven't watched Resistance. I have. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Do you feel that they're <laughs> queer coded? these two characters oh very very much so they've um so flix and orca run the um supply shop on the colossus in is is flix the um, white owl guy with the long legs let me let me look it up because i'm gonna be real honest these people are never these two are never not in the same scene together oh you don't have to look it up it's fine (laughs) but he's one of them is one of them is the white owl guy (laughs) <laughs> is the owl guy yeah okay cool I like um, that. 
<laughs> Flix is voiced by Jim Rash, and Orca is voiced by Bobby Moynihan from SNL. And they run a, like, parts shop together. They're, like, once again, they're never separated. They um, argue, quote-unquote, like an old married couple, but I also have issues with just, like, that being a standard for relationships. Yay, media. Um, but there's a specific instance in a kind of fillery episode where um, Kaz, the, the protagonist of Resistance, are going off to visit Orca's mother, no, Flix's mother together, and in a way that seems very like visiting the in-laws, mm -hmm. and they leave Kaz to like tend the shop for like an episode. I will admit, I have not rewatched Resistance since I since the first season ended, so I don't have a lot of specifics, but for the most part, these characters are never not in the same scene together, and they're always minimum six feet away from each other mm -hmm. i think it's gay yeah <laughs> when she mentioned callus and zeb i was sitting there like are they are they queer coded i wouldn't say i wouldn't say coded no. but there is i would say at least the framing of them in the epilogue can be viewed as that yeah i i always say that um dave filoni korasami kalazeb um <laughs> yeah he did um and but it, with the extra thing where there isn't actually any intention behind it, and even when questioned about it, Dave Filoni's like, "I mean, that wasn't something I was thinking of, but you can like interpret it." However, um, so I don't see it as actual material like representation. Yeah. If people want to headcanon it, mm -hmm. sure, but like it's it was never. It doesn't. I don't even think was intended to be bait as much as. They just needed to put characters together in a scene because they only had so long to do an epilogue. Yeah. I don't think Dave Filoni ever intended to create it as queer bait, but Steve Bloom made it into queer bait. Whether okay. that was yeah, intentional or not is up for discussion. I don't think it was intentional. But There's like, an entire other level of like actors and voice actors yeah. being part of this discussion when they're not the actual people in control of the narratives. Yeah. Which is a whole other level to this queer to queer baiting and that kind of discussion. Sometimes voice actors and actors will get real into it, like Oscar Isaac and um, uh, John Boyega, which I don't blame them for mm -hmm. because both are charismatic as hell and have great mm -hmm. chemistry. Um, but at the end of the day, they're both actors who have no actual control over the narrative they're a part of. Right. Yeah. So it's not like you can really just. Mark Mark Hamill, I you don't get to say whether or not Luke died a virgin. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, at the at the end of the day, you're an actor and you are important to the character. Yes, but you're not controlling the actual narrative yeah. that is represented in the media. I think at the end of the day, I don't think Callus is ever queer coded. Like you can't say like yes, Callus is queer coded or Zeb is queer coded. Because, I mean, queer coding is like traits and behaviors given to characters that make them seem queer without saying Sabine! It. Which, yeah, like, which we <laughs> talked about is, like, Sabine's hair colors and Ketsu... And armor that she paints. Yeah, and Ketsu's beautiful, beautiful buzz cut and then, like, mohawk. These are <laughs> queer coding. And then that, that kind of idea of possible queer baiting is when creators are trying to draw in a queer audience by hinting at a gay relationship that'll never happen. Yeah. 
or at least never happened explicitly because like you were saying they kind of Korosami it at the end of Rebels. So. Which Korosami is a whole thing where they did like have the writing intention behind it but were limited by right, their network. Right, yeah. But there's also the additional level of they themselves have even admitted they could have done more mm-hmm. materially even within their restraints that I have short-term memory issues. But yeah, when it comes down to it, there sometimes is stuff that we might read more into than even creators will actually put any effort into addressing. Maybe they'll wink it at once and then it becomes kind of like a, a accepted thing in fan circles, but doesn't really show any real material evidence in the story itself. Oh yeah, hope I hope that <laughs> hope I hope that kind of answered your questions and gave some insight uh, from us. And thank you so much for sending us an email. If anybody else sends us emails about like questions about previous episodes, we're more than happy to talk about them on the pod if we feel that they are appropriate because, I don't know, some of our listeners are weird. <laughs> I actually remembered what I was going to say about Callus and Zeb. Oh, go for it. I, I said when um, the Rebels finale first aired, I joked about Callus and Zeb in the epilogue as Zeb brings his boy his hot boyfriend home so he doesn't have to get tried for war crimes. Oh my God. <laughs> Callus was high ranking. Yeah. <laughs> yes he was. He killed a lot of people. <laughs> but he's redeemed somehow. Mm-hmm. That's great. Because he's hot. <sighs> hot Callus. Hot Callus. Hashtag hot callus. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for coming on Les Beautiful Town. Um, would you I'm like always to, available? Would you like to plug anything? Your social media, anything that you're involved in? Um, just follow me on Twitter at jbandos, J B A N D O S. I'm listed as Jacqueline Bolin, the lesbian Jedi. Um, <laughs> there is also a link to my Instagram in my Twitter. Follow me. I'm very vain. I post a lot of pictures of myself. And I'm pretty, so follow that too. Yeah. Jacqueline's hilarious. You should definitely follow her. Please. <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> um, you can listen to Lousy Beautiful Town on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. If you are a browser listener, you can send us an email at lousybeautifultownpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at LBD, LBTpod. Abby, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Abby M. Cecilia. And you can find me at Space Chess with four S's in the Jess. Jacqueline, again, thank you so much. This yeah. was great. You're welcome on any time. Um, and thank you all for listening to this very thirsty episode. We <laughs> can't seem to stop with the thirsty episodes, but... I was limiting myself. <laughs> oh, God. Thirsty to everything's circular oh my god this cat i'm sorry i forgot i should have fed them before we started and now jess is gone to feed cats so (laughs) twitter is free i almost had wine come out my nose (laughs) is it a book never mind i'm editing this out because i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) i'm glad that we popped your (laughs) podcast cherry (laughs) 